0: Welcome back, rebels. Adam Brazier, David Speed.
1: I was thinking about you today.
0: Well, yeah, that's sweet.
1: Uh, I was thinking about how much I dislike you. No, not really. Um, I was, I was thinking about how just different, so different we are. We're like polar opposites. Because there's a bit in coming up in in this week's episode where we sort of talk about how different we are yeah. and like whether that's a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to like work, working with your mates, working like in a business. And I was just thinking about you and about how lucky it is that you understood that you're a creative because i think when you when we take all of your skill sets and like how because i'm just fucking all over the place i'm like whatever's going on you're you're very like like organized and analytical and you look at figures and data and everything has to be in a straight line and you're very like like that and and like we're just so different you're the kind (laughs) of personality type that that could get like labeled as not creative, which would like, which would fuck you up. Like if you were in that box of thinking that you weren't creative, it would like destroy everything.
0: Yeah, completely. Because like at school I was like maths and physics, very kind of like ordered. And I think it was only because like my parents and like my, like my granddad, like buying me this drawing thing when I was really young, basically getting me started really early that made me feel like, oh, this is something that I can do. And I remember being at school and being like the one who could draw well, who could draw cartoons well at school. So it was always like reinforced as being like, you're the one who can draw. And that was never from being like a creative person. And like, I suppose my dad's a designer, so he always kind of really instilled that in me. and And I think creativity, it's not just being able to draw and being that creative thing. It's the problem solving element. And I think that's one thing that was instilled in me quite a lot because my dad was an engineer. It was well why is that made why does that work like that like how does this work and i think it was almost that analytical kind of data geekiness that kind of forced me down that creative route
1: and i suppose curiosity equals creativity
0: yeah i was always that kid to if our vhs machine broke i'd be like okay well i'm going to take it to pieces just see if i can fix it like no electrical skills at all but i'm just going to strip it down to see if i can most of the time it wouldn't work but every now and again I would do something and something would then work again it was like oh well that was great so I'm going to keep doing that because the the reward I get mentally from problem solving just seemed to work really well because I never really saw art as just something creative that happens in your head for me it was always more of a technical practice
1: what's really interesting is that when we met 10 years ago and I started teaching you how to paint with spray paint I had my ways of like, this is how you paint. And I presented it to you. And what you really taught me was you didn't just accept what I said as gospel, which I accepted what I said as gospel. I was like, this is the way it's done. And you started going on YouTube and looking at the best painters in the world and replicating their techniques. And then you started teaching me stuff that I wasn't doing, which was wild to me because I never looked anywhere outside of my own circle of just people that I was painting with. And so I, I like as a creative was like actually very pigeonholed.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to like, as a creative to look in different areas. Like I remember when I first started spray painting, I was looking at videos on like Photoshop painting, like airbrushing, anything that was kind of some form of art form. I was like, well, how are these other people doing it? What can we bring to spray paint that would make things easier for us? It would allow us to do things more realistically, like take things to another level. And I think because of that, constant like need for analyzing and kind of like assessing and trying to improve on everything
1: trying to crack a puzzle like trying to solve the 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 problem
0: yeah then it's always like there is a solution out there somewhere you just got to find it because I believe that there's very few things that haven't been done before whether that's exactly what you're doing or some form of it in a different profession or a different industry I think it's so worth like looking around because you never know what you're going to find somewhere else it's like little techniques i learned from airbrushing just well i've never airbrushed but from watching airbrush tutorials i was like wow that's like that's a profession that's been going on for a lot longer than spray paint at that level of detail so of course there's things we can learn from that because like they've been doing it for years they can create amazingly realistic stuff so let's just change up that a little bit so it works for us
1: yeah and and people can get very stuck in in just doing what they're doing and not really looking to the outside. And I think that's something where where sort of when it comes to like social media and like growth on social media, I think most people just do the expected route. Um, there's there's very obvious ways of of like posting online. And I don't think they work anymore because I think we're we're all we're all cynical and it, it just doesn't work. And I think the way to break through on social media now is to present something new that people haven't seen before or Or present something old but in a fresh way because we're just so tired and we've seen we've seen everything. So you need to be looking around and seeing like what's working elsewhere and how you can apply that to what you do.
0: So with social media, I think there's you can look at what's happened before and people were evolving and getting popular and getting noticed and getting their stuff out there before social media existed. And you can still take those principles into what's happening now. And yes, it's always hard to create new stuff, but as you said there, it's like instead of trying to create something new, just take two things and mix them together like take something traditional old that has been done before. so for example, go looking around churches and look at stained glass windows and then if you're really into basketball, how can you merge those two things together? How can you create basketball inside art in a stained glass window style like there's literally anything you can mash together that by mixing the two that's how you create something unique because it's going to be really hard to just think of something that's brand new off the top of your head because it doesn't really happen like that and even if you look at people who have been successful they generally their aesthetic is formed from the people that they've consumed in the past so i think by surrounding yourself with different things combining things that haven't done, been done before especially if you can get two things that are popular within a certain niche combine those then you're probably going to have an even better impact going forward
1: it's funny you mentioned stained glass windows. There's an Instagram account that I follow who uh, makes stained glass windows, but from Nintendo characters, and it's just like amazing. it's just so it's such a exactly yeah, that. yeah, just such a weird mix of worlds brought together, and and it works. It's like he's doing amazingly well, and is his full time job is producing custom Super Mario stained glass windows for people. It's amazing, and once you find that creativity. On your on your social media and you're able to express that to other people, I think that's when you'll you'll start to notice the uptick. And in the beginning it is so hard. But when I when I scroll through the videos for Zach and Jay, like who which is this week's guests, they're they're so creative and they they've got their reason for the channel existing. They want to do fun shit. They want to just go cool places and and do and do things. And they want to create fun content that people find funny and, and there's just entertaining. And so when you look through their videos, it's like sneaking into Fashion Week. It's writing letters to every every mansion in a certain area of London. And by, by writing those letters to people in mansions, they manage to get into someone's mansion. And it's just all of the things that we're too scared to do, they just sit down and they brainstorm and they go, okay, how are we going to do some cool shit this week? And then they work out how to make it happen.
0: I think that's it. It's the it's the not stopping at well that's not possible. It's having an idea and then just rolling with it, thinking, well, this is my idea, as stupid as it sounds. How can we make this actually happen? Like if we want to go into every mansion in London, well, how could we do that? And then it's like, well, actually, if we just approached them and sent them letters, then maybe that would happen. And then
1: and I think the letters is a is a clever touch as well because. Most people would think, oh, let me try and find an email address. And that's that's obviously not going to get through if you knock on the door that you're going to look like a psycho. So it's, it's like a handwritten letter is actually you don't receive. That's actually a novelty nowadays. So by going that route, I think is actually a very smart way in.
0: It's not letting yourself get like, held up by your own thoughts and thinking, oh, well, that's poss- not possible. I might look stupid. I might get a no. I might get a rejection and just going for it. Because I think that's what these guys have done. They've just gone for it all the time. And I feel like that's where their success has come from because they've just been like, "We're going to do this; it's going to happen." Like when we first met them, like a year and a half ago, they basically said to us, "This is going to happen by this point," and they were so determined, and they did it, and they just kept going. And then it's amazing to see where they've got to now.
1: Yeah, they've done so well, and this interview is such a—it's so much more measured and calculated, and and more kind of tactical than the first interview that we did with them and you can see how much they've grown as like creative business people and it's it's really inspiring to see so zach and jay are youtube content creators the duo have produced many many viral videos and their channel the zach and jay show currently sits at over seven hundred thousand subscribers it seems as though they've discovered the cheat code for life because basically their job is to go on mad adventures meet cool people and create stories to tell their grandkids
0: in this episode we talk about going viral, edge cheering, and believing in yourself.
2: There is absolutely no cost to having the belief that you can do it and there's just so much upside to having it.
1: Hi Zach and Jay. Hello, hello gents. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> what were we the first podcast you guys ever did? I
3: mean it must have been. I
1: think it was right no,
3: it was good yeah Yeah, we started the channel in yeah. uh, September the 27th and then you guys was early December so no one gave a shit about us huh.
1: <laughs> I think you guys maybe had like 30,000 followers at the time like subscribers on YouTube at the time mm. so it was like yeah you were you like you were established but you were still kind of new
2: mm.
0: Yeah, I think the most re- recent video that I remember seeing at the time was when
1: you did like a banner outside your house. Oh, yeah, any day. So I think we
2: will just past 100k for that, right?
1: Yeah, that was 100k, that video. That was that was well after we interviewed them. Oh, yeah, was yeah, it? yeah, I remember uh, that video. Well, how's it going?
3: All good, mate. Yeah, <laughs> good. Um, the, the plan's working out. I don't I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, that's the
1: thing, because it's so interesting, yeah. like, because our chat was like, it was really interesting getting that that kind of view from you guys of, of you were like, Zach had had his personal channel and you were kind of like, you'd experimented with things there and you knew like you were kind of working out how to go viral. And it's quite funny because you guys basically like were giving the the, like the advice that we never give is like, be lazy and try and go viral and you were like can't be fucked to do hard work just gonna work out how to go viral and do it that way and like and and which is amazing because like if you can do that right then it's then it's gonna work yeah and like literally yeah so seeing the growth from when you like laid out like this is how we're gonna do it and it's it's happened it's come true
3: yeah i I mean i think we we kind of figured out in in doing that the the virality is fucking hard work. Like it was a long. It felt like such a long old slog to get to um the the point of like monetizing the channel. That is all we were focused on. Like literally from from day one, we're like we got we got six months worth of money each. How that with six month contract on a house in London, like it let let's fucking give it a best go. It was literally like month five where. But it's it was not like, that long though, is it? Like no, but, it, but I think we were like in the trenches at that point, and, and we weren't doing anything socially. We we almost like were isolating. Just, just trying to make it work, and, and literally, like, yeah, we couldn't afford to do anything else. So, yeah, it, it felt like we—that was like a fucking long old slog. And you look back at it now, and you're like, fuck me. Like,
0: was there points at that time when you thought like this might not actually happen? Yeah, we might yeah. run out of money. Yeah, we, we had
3: a chat with um George George <clears throat> Bettany, who's like a mentor friend. He runs like a, a mental health startup near you guys, actually in the in the T building. It's called um, Sanctus. I'm not sure if you've heard of him.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're working with um, Paul McGregor, I think, as well, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're, uh, kind
2: of, they're kind of like new booking therapists who come into your uh, work and then employees can like anonymously chat with them for 45 minutes and let off stress or I don't want to talk about anything really. Cool company. Uh, met him in Manchester and, yeah, he's kind of been a part of the story ever since the beginning, really.
3: Yeah, so we, we kind of met him just as... Uh, did we put out the Fashion Week bid or not? Or was no, it, no, it no. It was just haven't. before we had put out the Max bid and we were kind of like... We, we were just like discussing the options and he was like, guys, have you, have you thought of like a plan B? Have you, have you like figured out what, what you're going to do if that money does go to zero? And, and we were kind of like, no, not really. Like, I, I kind of just assumed that I'd, I'd start doing freelancing again and, and Jay was going to like, I don't know, maybe work at a pub or something. Yeah, like.
2: I going to work, work at a pub or then move to my cousin's house in London, which is North London, so about an, an hour away.
3: Yeah, which would have made shit a whole lot harder.
1: It's kind of the same with us, like when we started our business, and I don't really recommend people do do it that way, but like when you've got no other choice but to make the thing work and you haven't really thought about what your backup yeah. plan is, then it kind of, it does bring out magic in people. It does it does force you to do stuff. Because we did, we did a call with someone the other day and I was kind of laying out this theory of like, if you give yourself like, this has to be a success or I will die, <sighs> <laughs> then like you're going to make it a success. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But most people like let themselves off the hook and go, okay, I've got plan B in the back and they're already preparing for the failure yeah. without it, without it failing. And it's like, if you just go balls out, and also I want to apologize. Sorry, I didn't mean to be a dickhead and say like that you were lazy and your tu- your YouTube happened by accident. I do understand. There's a lot of fucking hard work and planning that goes into
3: it. No, no, yeah, um, it was yeah, no, but it is a kind of like a, a fucking shortcut that that was kind of like our, our growth hack. If you were like that, that was our strategy from day one, and and, and yeah, I, I, I said that multiple times. I think on the podcast was like I cannot see us grind like literally busting out videos every week for three years to build like a, an audience like that just wasn't how it was ever yeah. gonna go really. It
2: was it was mainly it was mainly to the other videos were kind of just there so that we had like a diversified content uh plan and like for our audience we weren't known for just sticking to the viral stuff where if we weren't constantly doing viral stuff they'd kind of not watch us. So the the other content was so just kind of keep them warm and keep them engaged with us in a load of different ways, but the viral stuff was to kind of put us on the map and yeah, grow us massively.
1: I was going to ask you about that actually, because like it it must be a difficult thing of because if you just become known for like for example like sneaking into places, then I guess with that you have to kind of like keep upping the ante because mm, exactly. people would be like, oh, I've seen it. So it's like I, I guess it's the same for us with the podcast. Like when we get a big guest, we know that that means an influx of new listeners. But if you don't then engage them with what you're saying, then they're not going to come back. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, you had to get them to fall in love with the characters of Zach and Jay rather than just the act of like doing something really ballsy. Yeah.
3: And we've kind of we've we seen it like play out, like even on my personal channel, like it, it was like 90% sneaking in, then <coughs> just whatever the fuck I kind of wanted to make if I was on holiday with mates. Like it was just kind of, there was no real direction, but I was the sneaking in guy. And- and that like creatively was like a, a little bit exhausting because you'd only really want to do stuff like, it was hard doing it by yourself, one. And like th- when people expected that and didn't give a shit about your other stuff, you're like, oh, you just felt a bit like pants by it. So I think we were very particular from yeah from the get-go, just to like, first four videos were just all completely different. And um, we've we kind of said that since, like we just want to give people, like keep people on their toes like every week pretty much.
0: Well, I feel like you're, brand is your name so it needs to be people care about who you are rather than just the things that you do because if it was just the things that they do they could go and watch anyone and like there would be no loyalty there people wouldn't come back to see what it was no matter what it was and so I feel like that's a really clever thing and I think going back to what I was going to say earlier is even like the if you took the term viral out of it it's still a really clever content plan in terms of, it's the same as what businesses do all the time. To get an influx of customers, mm-hmm. they'll hold a, hold a big event. It's like Glastonbury, for example, it's like they sell tickets once a year and they get a huge influx to come to it at that point. But then the rest of the year, it's not like Glaston- no one talks about it. And it's like, they'll still be posting content. It'll still be kind of like teasing it, but then it yeah. it peaks at that point. And I feel like if they didn't say anything all year and then it just happened, it you wouldn't get that mad rush of ticket sales that you would do before yeah. because there's no build-up hype. So I feel like having that, if you just went high, high, high all the time, it wouldn't be sustainable. Whereas having their kind of the peaks and troughs is a really important thing.
2: And we've seen it kind of, we were kind of lucky because we, we've come to YouTube, not late, but later in the game than a lot of creators. And those guys were rinsing stuff which was semi-illegal, running to supermarkets, pranking people, and like they made a lot of money off it, oh not loads of money, but they made good money off it, and then moved out to LA and got the Range Rover, and they they don't want to be doing that anymore because they've been fined, they've had kind of warnings from the police, and uh, suddenly their audience don't want to see that they've, they've they've seen this guy who's a crazy mental person who's large and live telling the police to f off, and then suddenly he's taking his kid to nursery in his Range Rover in LA. It's not really the kind of content that he signed up for, and suddenly it starts diving, yeah. and before you know it, it's kind of a bit too late. To, to change really so yeah uh, we, we could have we, we're keen on getting it
0: on the way i suppose that's interesting because when i think about viral videos that people have sent me and or showed me like on the phone and thought this is funny i can remember what happened in those videos but i can't remember who mm. the people were who did it interesting so i think that's a really important thing to try and get across because it's like and i think that's why it's clever that you're called the zach and jay show because it's like if you were just called say yes siri for example there's not a name attached to that so I might see it and then not necessarily remember who it was whereas as soon as you have people's names attached to it by growing a personal brand around it and not just having content that is just this is a silly thing but the people who who are presenting it you don't care yeah yeah I
3: think like YouTube is kind of founded on like the individuals and people form really deep relationships with the people that they're watching week in week out, and I think that's kind of difference. TV is probably part of why YouTube is so popular with, yeah, with, with kind of our generation, really. So yeah, th- I think like, yeah, the name thing as well. I, and we're still working on it. I mean, like we're still trying to get ourselves across more, build up the the community. Like yes, series manager that he calls them like the the mum fans, like the the ones who will support you whatever you do. Like they'll just kind of be there. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah. We're we kind of like just started a an email list like we're we're really trying to like yeah increase the amount that people kind of see us because because our videos are kind of one one sort of version of us which is like the high energy kind of doing this that and other but but there are there are like we are kind of just like chilling guys who fucking like to chill, listen to music and kind of like podcasts and, and we don't really feel like that's necessarily across so much on the videos yeah, a, so, a, lot, a lot
2: of people are always messages like oh I'd love to go on an absolute mad one with Zach and Jane. I remember when we were receiving them. We were like we weren't going out very much at all. And <laughs> like, go know, like, like, we yeah. must be giving something off that we mad head cases that go around London all the time, just <laughs> getting drunk and just like blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
1: it's,
2: it's just like uh, yeah. Not all.
1: <laughs> what was the the decision making behind um, starting the mailing list? Because I noticed that um, recently when you started talking about that in videos, and and I kind of thought like that's so different. Like I I've never I've never watched another YouTuber before that's then that's then said, join my mailing list. Like, what brought around that decision?
2: There's two reasons, really. One, like, is kind of just the tangible asset of having a mailing list, and when we get merch, we'll be able to sell to them. But then the other side of things is more on the engagement side, where yeah, it's kind of like we 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 do like 12-15 minutes of high-energy stuff every single week. You know exactly what you're tuning in for, and we're kind of okay with that. But we have got kind of other asset, other facet stores where we can tell you about cool business books. We every every email has got a cool kind of thought-provoking quote on there we can mention a cool creator from around the world we can yeah show you a music artist we think is cool like people can respond to us and let us know how they think it is and and we're, we're yeah we're, we're looking to do maybe, probably a facebook group as well or we're looking at discord like some sort of like community like back and forth in where our community can chat with each other and so so it's just kind of expanding out on kind of who we are what we do why we do it um just in another channel that's not on kind of instagram or youtube where you're dictated by an algorithm this is just a bit more kind of direct really
0: yeah i feel like having those two separate platforms can be really powerful because there's a guy called matt Diavella who's got quite big on youtube now i've consumed a lot of his content for a long time and i think he's great and i subscribe to his patreon and his patreon is nothing like his youtube it's Mm. more him personally so it's more like you get who he who he is and i feel like that's a nice balance almost but to have that your main platform that is the things that you put out and it's kind of what people know you for. But if people wanna get to know you better, there is somewhere that they can go and do that as well. And I feel like it's those people that you're gonna get the most from because they're they're your mum fans. And I think that reminds me of when you did, um, when you did those 100K coins, like you did a thousand of them. And obviously Kevin Kelly talks about having a a thousand true fans. And once you've got those, those are the people who are gonna support you forever. And the fact that you managed to make a thousand and sell a thousand, it's almost like you've already got those 1,000 true fans. You managed to kind of hack your way to that really quickly.
3: Like, yeah, when we were planning that, we had no idea on, like, how many to order. and I think Jay was just like 1,000. Seems like a fucking great... Was, was just doing the maths on it. He was like, if we sell these, that's great. And it fucking shows something about the audience. Because, like, the, the idea behind them is, like, we were getting so many comments early on saying, here before they blow up, here before 10K. And people kind of remembered when they joined the channel. And when you hit 100k, it's like the first milestone on YouTube, and it's like the, the audience don't really get anything to show for that, even though they like saying they were the ones there early. So um, yeah, it, it was it was mad because it was like it was just that, it was literally just after Mike's because the the viral kind of video because everything just like we had the idea at 50k actually. So our samples were 50k club, and, and that that isn't much of a milestone now looking back on it because it kind of but, but um. <laughs> like the 100k 200k and 300k happened in two weeks so by the time we had done the viral video the growth had just like went through the fucking roof and then we had to move house to this place so like we were trying to juggle all this shit i remember we literally stayed up for like 24 hours in the lead up to the launch of those coins just to like getting through and, and, and sorted and, and yeah it was just like such a mad time in our lives like and then, and then packaging them up we had literally like stacks in, in this living room now like just set a hand packaging them all out but um you yeah, know that, that was that was really cool uh just to see like, I, and I think people appreciated it it was just something completely intrinsically worthless but like it meant something individually to all those people which was like really cool to see
0: what was your marketing strategy to actually get those out because you must have thought fuck a thousand coins are going to cost me quite a bit of money to produce i need to try and sell these because i don't want to be out of pocket
2: to, to be honest so um the, the whole thing the reason the coins came about was we had so many comments all the time tuning in saying we were here oh we, we, you guys are going to be massive you guys are going to be massive we're here before everyone else and i kind of did say like, well, how can we basically this is a strong emotion that all our viewers are feeling Like, how can we convert that into something that they can own and have and um, like certificates type things and we were thinking like I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and the belt system is a real thing that shows the dedication. Yeah. And, and we're like, yeah, what could we do with YouTube plaques? People get 100K plaques, they get a million plaques, but the, but the viewers don't get anything. So, yeah, these coins were kind of like that middle ground, which are affordable for us to buy. Could really have viewers show that they were there from day one, which is why the 100K coins did really well, and everyone was slacked. I think more than any other merch I've seen on YouTube, I've never seen that people more proud to own it. So maybe people yeah. bought more T-shirts and wore more T-shirts, but I don't know if they were as proud and like shared like the personal notes we put in and the coins the hanging up. People framed them. So yeah, that that was quite cool. I think uh, yeah, we kind of nailed that kind of messaging of, of, of like pride from early doors. But with um, the actual financial cost of it, they didn't actually cost that much to make. Like 20% of the cost was un- actually like in making one, so it was the mold, and the rest was kind of very flexible and pretty cheap. So we, we were kind of defensive and attacking with it and, and um, kind of said, you know, it's going to cost us more if we'd sell an extra hundred. There's £1,500 cost in, in £15 uh, revenue. Yeah, it would have cost us more to not sell uh, or to, to have a kind of a, a low supply and high demand than it would to have a higher supply than demand. So, um, yeah, we kind of went for a 1000 but luckily that was kind of a good enough thing to sell it anyway, So anyway.
1: <sighs> it's, it's so smart to notice like a comment that that is just like part of internet culture now is like first first comment that's a thing that people just say, and as far as I know up until this point, no one has ever taken advantage of that before because it just it just becomes background noise, and you don't really think that there's a person behind and the re- like the psychological reason of them wanting people to know in the comments that they were the first to comment or or that they or that they knew you from when you were a smaller channel and it's just it's such a weird like thing that most people would just ignore. So I think that's super smart that you, that you jumped on that.
2: Yeah, and it's also quite nice as well. Like, we sent out the email list to those guys first. Like, we, we had a little thank you video in there, all the comments like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And they are genuinely literally like the day one fans, and there's no kind of ignoring that. Like, we, we came this side when we had 30,000 subscribers or something, and, and they bought it. We, we did have over 100,000 subscribers when they were kind of actually available because we grew quite quickly off of that Maximus Bicares video. But um, yeah, they are they are kind of very much the early fans who kind of put the money where their mouth is and are still with us now. So it is cool.
1: Well, I hope you feel the same way about the early podcast that supported Nah, I did,
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to listen to it after. That's cool, yeah.
0: Yes. some say featuring on that podcast is what actually yeah, yeah, got onto yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah,
3: that was
2: <laughs> it, it? I can't wait to see a few months after this when it hockey sticks again. Yeah, well,
0: when it happens.
1: <laughs> Damn right, Damn right. So how important is it for you guys to to be doing like regular content? Do people like expect videos and do they get pissed off if they're, if they're not delivered?
3: Uh, it's interesting because we're, that's like a current debate that we're, not debate, we're, we're kind of like toying with the idea of making it a bit more relaxed because we, we felt like a few of our videos recently, have they've been amazing concepts, but the weekly tie, I and mean, we've just kind of been blindly doing it because that's what we thought consistency was key early on, which it was. But the logic is just founded on, like, the vlogging kind of culture. Casey Neistat, all those guys who literally grew. And and the algorithm's kind of changed now, so I don't know if, A, that's, that's the move anymore. But, like, creatively, the ideas have, have sometimes lacked a bit of oomph at the end, like, satisfaction when, when you can watch a video and you're like, that was amazing. I feel like they've just teetered off a little bit as a result of not having that extra, like, freedom with the time. So, yeah, I, I mean, you see Josh Peters, Archie Manners, they're kind of just... Whenever this idea pulls through, well, they'll upload, and that could be four or five months. But people are waiting, kind of, on their seat for the next one. So yeah, I, I, we don't kind of really know, but we're willing to experiment. Like we're, we're kind of just, yeah, playing with the idea now, and we're, we're not really scared to, to. We're just as long as we keep people updated with what's kind of going on. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's mainly on the YouTube side. Though
2: I do think it's important to keep people engaged in the other areas of life and things like the email list, where. People are still tuning in and checking out the music artists that we recommend, checking out the podcasts, the books, and like still like we're still they're still touching like the brand or they're still touching Zach and Jay and what we're about without necessarily tuning into the the weekly videos.
1: What would you say to someone who's like kind of early on in their journey? Like that's not a point where they can take their foot off the gas, right?
2: It it depends. Like I think if it was just Zach, it probably like just focusing on viral videos is, is probably the best option instead of just as much regular content as possible. I think like Gary Vee and Steve Bartlett and all that shit, they would just do, they just screen daily vlogs, daily vlogs, daily vlogs. And I see people to this day just doing so many daily vlogs and just no one tunes in. And I just think unless you, yeah. you, you're you attracting people into your little funnel of daily vlogs, then it's not going to go anywhere. Like just doing daily vlogs on its own just isn't going to happen. And Casey Neistat talked yeah. about when he started video making, he'd do one a week and then. He started doing one a day and he just started absolutely hockey sticking. And I just think that was such a different time when the internet is just so clogged now that like more, more, more isn't necessarily best. Like there's, there's quite a few YouTubers that are coming out of the works of like Josh Peters and Archie Manners when they did the Katie Hopkins prank. They do a video every three months and every single one's getting over 5 million views and it's growing by 50,000 subscribers with every video. Um, and that, that yeah. kind of takes patience and you, kind of, you almost have to trust. Yourself and be okay if some don't work, and that's kind of against that more, more, more content kind of strategy. How does it feel? Because
0: it's like obviously you've had videos that have gone like you've got two hundred thousand subscribers off say one video. When you release the next one and you don't get that, does that feel disappointing in some way? Like how do you kind of bounce up like that feeling? I think I think
3: we t- we kind of consciously decided early on not to be like we even were setting like targets for subscriber growth and stuff like we tried not to be emotionally attached to those numbers so like we kind of got to around 50k and it was kind of just like plateauing a little bit and and that was like a really frustrating time because it felt like we were doing all the right things doing all the right things but it just wasn't for whatever reason wasn't jumping past that next stage we like had good growth up till then so I think like that that was kind of a lesson in itself and, and just like in general trying to any creator like that when the numbers the numbers are literally always up and down and, and Jade like uses the analogy it's like the kind of stock market if you look over a period of ten ten years it, the, you're still like ending up here but there is peaks and drops in the everyday thing and, and that's what, if you're chasing the algorithm yeah. ultimately you're probably going to lose because you're going to be behind it and then it's going to veer off left and you're going to be still figuring out where it's gone and uh, like we we had kind of like a lull going into lockdown where we tried a different format three a week. And in terms of, like, subscriber growth and, and views, like, we, we were straight up down, but that wasn't a reason not to experiment and try the, the things that we did, because, again, we, we learned a shitload from it, and as a result, realized, like, the importance of, of building up the community even more so. And, yeah, we, we try not to, but, like, ultimately, how your video is received and how many people want to tune in is a direct indicator of how, kind of, well you're doing. So, it, it's, I think it's a constant balance, really.
1: Have you ever dropped anything that you would consider a failure?
3: Well the the Ed Sheeran video was like a straight out failure. Yeah. Like Would
1: you would you say that was a failure just because you didn't actually Yeah a- achieve the objective of getting in front of it? Yeah, you in terms of
3: like the, the day of filming, our objective was to make a video where we the end result was Ed Sheeran sang our theme song with us and we didn't get that, but we, we still made it <laughs> yeah. a great video, out will be able to like 400, I think it might be actually like 600-700,000 people now. So, like is, is that a win? Like people are entertained, like we, we still have fun doing it. Yeah, I guess that is a win.
1: That's a win in my book. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. I mean it's like that, that one's more on the storytelling, isn't it? It's
2: like um, mine and Zach's journey, quest to find a chair, it didn't work. Like is that, it's not a failure of a video but is it a failure of a mission maybe? I mean, it's, it's a failure of a mission in that instance, but I think it almost, like, set the quest up for future. And that was, like, a year, one well, probably a year and a half ago or something like that. But we still want Ed Sheeran to sing the Zach and Jay show intro at some stage. <laughs> don't, don't know if it's going to happen.
1: And when it happens now, it's going to be yeah, fucking exactly, huge yeah. just because it didn't exactly, happen yeah. the first time, yeah. Yeah. I
0: feel like as well for the kind of excitement of your channel, it's like by having failures on there, as in, like, this didn't work, then it's at least... I'm watching the video thinking like, is this or is this not going to yeah. happen? Because you know previously it has not happened. Whereas like so many things you watch on TV, yeah. like I know literally yeah. exactly the story of this before it's even started.
1: It's like on Matt Diavella's channel with uh, where he's trying to get he's, he wants to interview The Rock and like he's had listeners make like jingles about it and The Rock's like even tweeted him about it. So it's like it's kind of stuff's happening with it and like it'll probably will happen one day. And when it does, it will just be so huge. It's the, yeah. it's the same thing. Just, yeah, just go on the Sheeran mission.
3: Yeah. yeah, like our friend Max is um is trying to currently track down a woman that he's called Sarah, and, and basically when he moved into his flat, he got um, a housewarming gift which was literally just like a fancy photo frame, and they had a stock image of a woman inside it, and um in in lockdown, he got bored and started asking like who actually is that woman that's lived with me in my flat for like the last year, <laughs> so he started trying to track her down, and. Um, it, like, Justin, he's got so far through this mission. He was on Australia, the biggest morning, like, breakfast show in Australia, like, putting the search out for this woman, like, finding Sarah. Like, his fans created a fucking subreddit for it. There's literally, like, people discussing this and, and getting behind it. And it's like, that. I think mean, that's really cool. Like, to some extent, yeah, that video was a failure because he put that video out saying, "Is anyone got any information on this? But as a result, his audience now engaged with that, and he's in, and he's like still it's still spinning like the wheels are still in motion with it. So yeah, I think there's really cool things to be done around that.
1: I think the interesting thing is that you guys have kind of proven that anyone is get holdable get holdable of <laughs> get holdable you, you can, oh, that's you what we say <laughs> you can attainable you can, yeah anyone is attainable like you can get in contact with almost anyone through uh, 60 de- degrees of separation which you guys yeah. actually proved yeah. was a real thing it,
3: it seems so mad because like when we were saying this last night we we're, were having a few beers and kind of just like reflecting on the last few weeks and in the last two weeks we collaborated with Judy Dench and Ken Young like A-list celebrities and it's like Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) baffling to be fair. It's fucking fun though. What a woman Gigi she is. And Davina. We're like mates with Davina now. Yeah. So
2: weird. So weird. Really good mates where she's dead lovely, isn't she? Yeah, she (laughs) is.
3: But but I think like, again, our chant was kind of like, in a roundabout, that was like a really obvious kind of like explicit way where we can feel like we can connect with anyone. But like our our other videos are kind of like based on that fact like we think we can do x we think like Ed Sheeran is reachable yeah so so I think like there's been that kind of theme almost throughout our our channel but it was cool to like explicitly like explain the theory and be like this is this is how interconnected we really all are.
0: I feel like so much of it comes down to your confidence of just like this can happen we can do this Mm -hmm. and just like well we're just going to do it like what would you say to someone who doesn't have that confidence because I feel like for you guys now, from the outside, it seems easy. But for a lot of people, especially like younger creatives, they really struggle with that confidence to just go and ask someone, to just go and do it because they think like, oh, well, I, I can't do it.
2: Well, what I say is there is absolutely no cost to having the belief that you can do it. And there's just so much upside to having it. You saying, oh, it sounds, it sounds like it's super easy. It literally is so fucking easy to believe in yourself. You just say, Oh, I reckon it's doable. Go on and let's try and then so it's gonna work or it isn't. We tried it with the other cheering thing, we were so close, but it didn't work. Yet in every other instance of us trying something that we you would think probably wouldn't work, it's just working worked. And as a, and you know what I mean? Like and these things snowball and like like Zach said, we're mates with Davina now and Ken Young and <laughs> Judy Dench. Just all of that shit sounds so unfucking believable, but you just means Zach about eighteen months ago, we're gonna create a YouTube channel, and we're gonna believe that we can do it, and we're gonna believe these ideas can work, and just all we'll
3: have. And that does compound, like the like there there is like those self-doubt moments and stuff like that. But but like we've always said, like don't let fear kind of dictate. Like that, that is absolutely no reason to not to not do something because a we are like. Uh, career-wise, we're incentivized by doing these things because we get a banging video out of it. But but also like that is where some of the best moments of our lives have been. Like literally when we push each other to say, like literally fuck it and like let's see what happens. And that that's kind of where the, the beauty actually happens really.
0: I think that's that phrase of just like just saying to yourself fuck it is so powerful because I've had that in the past where I'm like oh and you convince your your brain's telling you why you shouldn't do it and then just that overriding fuck it is a punch in the face to that fear and then you just go and do it you did that when you spoke to gigs didn't you yeah i did yeah Oh, really? <laughs> it was like yeah we were doing a project with gigs and i had my camera with me because i was taking pictures of like the the project that we were doing and i was like oh i'd really fucking like a portrait of gigs that would be cool and i was like but he's there with all of his like mates and i was like oh this is, just seems a bit awkward and i was just just like oh no no it's fine I, I don't need this picture i don't need this picture and i was like i could just hear myself Telling myself that this wasn't possible, and then I literally just said to myself, "Fuck it," and then just walked straight to him, asked him. He said yes, and got
1: a sick picture. I mean, literally, we just painted a massive mural for the guy, so it's not like he was going to tell you to fuck off. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> like be a bit moody yeah, if he did. Fuck
3: up, <laughs> yeah, but one of the funny one of the earliest, like the first time we kind of like snuck into a festival properly with like a little bit of planning. Like Jamie got in with like a black t-shirt, like a, a little lanyard and a towel hanging out of his pocket as if he worked in like a... Water. Early right. And yeah, literally a crate of water and like sold the water in there. And then the next day, like I I did like a Tesco's bag for life handle around my wrist because we found out that all the artists were wearing red wristbands. And, and that day we, we spoke to gigs, um, <laughs> gigs in Dizzy Brown School. Again, like we, we must have, looking back at now, we were like, uh, however old, like early 20s, and we I mean, must have looked so obviously not like out of and, like we weren't meant to be there at all. We were but just we,
2: like wearing festival gear, like all the rappers and cool people at festivals who get booked there and bring all the meat. They wear like cool gear. They don't go as like festival shorts and shirts <laughs> and like, funny little hats. And that's
3: how we were look, looking. Yeah, they, like and we we were backstage with we yeah these rascal gigs, and then we we were kind of just chatting to him, and and then Jay Jay was like, oh, I'm gonna ask him for a photo. Just, just really, like, I think your, your words were like, I'm gonna really take the piss here. And just, um, <laughs> he was like, Oh, guys, can can you get a photo, please? And then, um, they were like, Yeah, yeah, sure. And then James was like, No, can you take a photo of me? And my Amazing, mate, <laughs> <him his> photo <laughs> yeah, and to take a photo, yeah, yeah. Dizzy Rascal took a photo of me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, but that same day, like, Stormzy was, um, it was my birthday weekend, and um, like, we we chatted to Stormzy just so he came off stage and we invited him to like a party. Yeah my house like after, after that and because we were like that's not out of the realm of possibility because we had like we had like a, a deck set up mics and stuff like because my mates were playing and um, like the idea was just get if we could get him round literally 10 minutes down the road after the festival to perform like a set on my birthday like that didn't seem unreachable, <laughs> It was probably really unreasonable in, in reflection but like that was kind of the early shit that we were doing just like testing the waters testing the waters and I remember when we came back we spent all day backstage, almost didn't see any of the acts, but we were just chatting to like our favorite rappers It just seemed so like unreachable at the time. And I just remember like my girlfriend and all our mates were like, where the fuck have you lot been? And literally me and Jay were just like, that was the best <laughs> day ever. Like literally like uh, opened our mind up to like yeah. the, these kind of events and these things are just like so act like you belong and you just fucking, you'll be there like absolutely fine.
1: It's wild. When when like lockdown and everything got announced, was it was it straight away? Were you like, okay, well, we're definitely going to carry on doing videos, or did you kind of think like maybe we'll ride it out? What were you thinking? Um,
2: yeah, we we pretty much thought we were going to make um, do a lot of videos. To be honest, um, <laughs> like I, I was I was thinking, do I go home to Manchester? But then I was like, literally, then it would be just pretty yeah. shitty videos, and it will be three months or something like that. So we're like, right, we may as well double down in London. But yeah, we kind of, just before it, we saw, yeah, all of our content was pretty much outside beforehand, anyway. And we saw that we, we thought everyone would be at home watching all the YouTube. So we kind of came up with this idea called the Stuck Inside Show, and it'd be the world's first remote kind of talk show designed around quarantine. So we were collaborating with other YouTubers, and not in ways of just like, here's a FaceTime, let's ask them a question. We, we, did, we actually did like formats where they, they would be in the house, and it was interrelatable. So like we did an ice bath challenge, and have an ice bath. And we'd send them over a list of things that uh, they'd have to draw. And we'd have to guess what they are while they're yeah. in the ice bath. And they've got to go. So that was actually and It was, yeah, we, we like doubled down on the, the regularity. It was all very replicable formats of like 10 minute episodes and three episodes a week. And we were like, right, people are going to be stuck inside. There's going to be no, like the content is going to go down. There's no football on. There's um, no, like no one's going to be making videos outside. So this is going to absolutely shine. And we kind of doubled down on it, three weeks, did about ten episodes, and they just kind of, I think what we found is just so many people just pushed so much content on yeah. the internet, whether it was TikToks yeah. at home, whether it was uh, streaming, that when we thought YouTube was going like, to be absolutely massive, it kind of wasn't, it kind of wasn't, and uh, a lot of creators had the views fluctuate, go down and up, and um, when we thought everyone was going to be tuning in religiously because we were so damn bored, it just kind of wasn't the case. Um, and we also thought that we wouldn't be able to come up with like big ideas while being inside but but kind of throughout that process um within the three weeks, we did think of big ideas that we couldn 't execute if we were doing such regular kind of videos of three a week, so we kind of eased off that and yeah now back to the bigger videos and you know, back to kind of normal views like the the zoom calls of Judy Dench, like half a million views and the Zoom call with like Ken Young is 200,000 views in a, in a day. So, um, yeah, we, we're kind of just going back to the, 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 the kind of the sick ideas we can do from the confines of our own house.
0: And we've come with the kind of conception of ideas, do you kind of just randomly think of them or do you actually sit down and properly have a session where we say, OK, for example, the next two hours, we're just going to brainstorm?
3: We, we're trying to do it like more more regularly now like before we, we've always kind of had like a long list of ideas but we've never really replenished that list like properly mm. yeah it, it feels like that list is never like that list never goes down at all but now we're doing weekly ideation sessions where like you just got to bring an idea or a thought starter and then we'll we'll kind of put on a song and, and write down like either listed list of names like targets events countries whatever and then we'll kind of brainstorm off of like offer of those kind of ideas really um but yeah we're, we're trying to do that weekly and i think like to be honest the more you, more you do that the more excited you get about ideas like in the last two weeks in in those brainstorms we've only had like one or two good ideas come out of them but like the, the idea is really really fucking exciting and they got bumped straight to the top of like the ones we want to put out so, yeah i think like mr beast is like he says most of his time is spent on ideas like they flip through dictionaries brainstorm ideas on certain words and like his, his videos are all on the idea and, and I think like our, our channel is based around the, the concepts and ideas and we, we we don't like doing stuff more than like a few times really unless it's really fucking fun or it works very well so I think mean, yeah like it's really really important for, for our channel specifically as well
0: yeah I think that's really interesting what you say there and I definitely can like relate to the fact that yes if you make a list of things off one brainstorm session you're only really going to be excited about a few and then as you start making your way down the dish like oh well, I'm doing this because it's on this list, not because I actually want to do it. And I think people need to reassess their kind of situations a lot more and be like, well, is this actually exciting me? Or am I just doing this because I feel like I should do it because it's the next thing on the list and really reevaluating like, well, is this important to me? Do I actually really want to do this?
2: Yeah. I think now we've started looking at more of like a sales funnel where like you could be working on closing two clients, which is like doing the videos. Yeah, if you're not kind of putting things in at the top, they won't kind of filter down where you kind of get those sales. So we kind of we have enough ideas if we just don't do any ideation sessions, and we've got great ideas as well. But unless we're kind of constantly keeping the wheel spinning for these big ideas and good ideas, there is going to be a time when it does get a bit stale. And we're like, "What? What do you want to do? What do you want to film? Let's let's the brains on." we just want to constantly just be adding to that list um, and yeah. of just great ideas that we're excited about because you can never have too many of them.
1: I really like how open you guys are about kind of admitting that the channel is a business and, and and like treating it like a business and being responsible with it and that not taking away from the fact that it does like bring that like that, that phrase I mean obviously you guys read business books like the the giving value thing and like that's which is a great thing with, that your that your newsletter does is like that's just a way for you to continuously provide value for your audience who will then be there for you to help you with views and likes and comments and all of that stuff that will help you basically run your business um, but it's just nice to to actually come across youtubers who are not scared to say, Because, like, for every single YouTuber, unless they're doing it in their spare time, it is their business. But a lot of people kind of hide that, like, the dirty secret in the cupboard that they don't want to talk about. Yeah.
3: But it seems weird as well, because, like, the comments don't seem to really grasp that a lot as well. Like When we did um, our latest brand deal with Ridley's Extra, like, there there were people commenting, like, oh... Actually that that one was overwhelmingly positive. I loved that. Yeah, the the, the mid-roll like was was one of the funniest things I ever like to film. But but like that yeah, it was yeah. A sick just job really, wasn't it? It's just so it's fun. It's so sick. Yeah, but, but people are like what um there, there was like one or two comments saying why why are you doing like sponsored content, we love you your normal content and it's like me and Jamie wouldn't be able to pay ourselves a wage and live in London off of the ad revenue of the channel, right? And we're we're doing like three million views a month. Like that that's just not how the economics of YouTube work. Like, So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like, oh, we're okay to talk about it. It's like, we
2: want to talk about it. Like we want to be very open and, and say like, look guys, we, we, we do like, we want to make money from this. We want to feed our kids from this. We want to set ourselves up from this but professionally. Like that doesn't mean that we, we engage with our audience any different. It doesn't compromise the quality of the content in any way, shape or form. Like it doesn't make anything worse. It just means like, we can grow financially from it. We can expand into different areas. We can pay people to set up the mailing list. We can, we can just expand, be bigger. And like we've released, we've been a, we've been about for a year and a half now with six hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. We've released two pieces of merch yeah. and been fifteen pounds medals. It's not like we're money grabbing and trying to rinse. Yeah, yeah. It's not. We're not trying to make as much money from you guys as possible. It's not about maximizing the money we make from you. Just because it's run like a business in some way, it is. um very much just like, how, how do we stay around, make the best content uh, and and do this for as long as possible, happy, healthy and, and all of that really. And I think kind of looking at it like business, being strategic is the best way to maximise those chances.
1: And I, th- I think like if you can find brand partners that are, are willing to follow along on the journey with you and they're not going to expect something from you that is not fitting for your channel, because it's like, I don't mind watching sponsored content if I get something out of it. And like your chewing gum advert, like made me fucking smile. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I watch the whole yeah, thing yeah. and I enjoy it. <laughs> it's really funny. Like, if people leave comments of like, oh, why are you doing sponsored content? It, it's like, uh, if you're enjoying it, then, then that's cool. And like, with that, li- like literally, what do you expect us to do to just every day just be <sighs> producing content out of the love of our hearts for you to? It's like, it's just not sustainable. It's impossible. You'd, you'd go out of your yeah. mind. And out of your house, yeah. you be broke.
3: <laughs> yeah, out of a lot of things. I think as well, though, like it is a really like fun, creative challenge as well. Like with, with the with the brands partners, like we we were always kind of super picky. Even in the like early days when we needed we needed the money for the channel to like keep going, and, and the the deals were a lot smaller and stuff. Like we always were hand handpicking the best ones that would yeah allow us to create a fully integrated episode and, and we bet i think we did one it was like literally one time we did a 60 second integration that was because we actually just loved the product and, and used the product what by was it? curve card oh, my but um, but until that point like we were we were asking will you do a full episode where we can base the the product or the service whatever uh, around the concept of the video And the, the best example of that is like the train the longest train ride in the uk video they just wanted a 60 second shout out yeah. and we were like no, can can we like do use your service and, and go from where is it Land's End to, yeah. to John
0: agrees to Land's End,
3: um, and 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 that was like a, yeah that that was like a fifteen minute ad for them, and and like they they literally were so baffled at how well it worked because we showed the value proposition throughout the entire thing as opposed to just something that you'd skip. So yeah, brand, brand new content is fun, like it, it is actually fun, and and like working with cool brands as well is is like an exciting thing because. That Wrigley's video was like the biggest budget thing we've ever been a part of. Like genuinely it felt like a TV series. It was like hidden camera crews, set in jail. We hired like an entire restaurant and like it was just, it like it was mind blowing to be a part of. Like yeah. it was it was really cool. Yeah, half of the production budget of that thing was like
2: what we got paid. So that like we we got paid and half of that was the production budget. Like it, that, that's that's a good thing where like brands can open up video ideas which you can't kind of financially do without yeah. brands so you're actually getting a better, yeah. a better, better content while it's sponsored and the brands instead of getting a shout out which makes the content which the kind of um, viewers are watching it for worse, they're, they're, they're making it better so you're almost getting better like a, a response and like the reason, oh my head's not really working, but um, <laughs> yeah like the reason why the viewers are there, you're enhancing, you're a part of that journey, you're yeah. Uh, you're, you get brownie
1: points for that are you two quite different because one thing that me and ad sort of always say to people in terms of like business advice is like to partner with people who are like their strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa and obviously you guys are best mates and you live together and you do the channel and everything together but like like how similar are your personalities
3: yeah, I'd, t- I'd say we're the same but different. But i I'll tell you how like philosophy and attitude toward life is pretty much exactly the same. Like we yeah. like last night, we were literally just um, we we were kind of like just debating stupid stuff like conspiracy theories, like Jamie Sly Tappy, and the Queen. Would he be able to do it or not? <laughs> like and, and and we were just like the whole time. My girlfriend was like the voice of reason or like the the person on the other side of the fence. And the whole time she was like, "Why are you two always like against me?" And it's like. <laughs> Yeah, we just kind of think the same about those things. But um, I don't think we would, yeah, the, the channel and its content is based around that philosophy that we kind of like believe would are living the yeah. best time to be alive. And like, as a result, we're going to try and make as much from this current time as we possibly can. But I think it's the core things, isn't it? It's like the core values, core belief is there. We, we both want to have like a positive
2: impact on the world. We both want to make money and, and grow financially and professionally. We want to have a great time while we're doing it. Um, we, we both kind of believe... The world is made um, of people that aren't any smarter than us. Like we can have a big impact on the world. Like if we come up with a great business idea, that could be the Airbnb, that could be the next Uber, that could be that could be absolutely game changing and change the face of how people work and travel or whatever. Like we believe those companies and, and that change isn't brought around. Like there's no, there's no secret crazy fucking formula of how that came about. Like it is just good product, right, right team, right money, right strategy. Like we we believe that all of those things are kind of obtainable. And that's kind of what it work, why it works. And and like we're both but we both quite good at coming up with ideas, we're both quite good at like analysing the space. I think I think if someone was to say like the exact opposite of me, it'd be proper details orientated it'd be maybe risk averse. And we don't really have that, but we do we, we have got a producer who works for us who is really good on the details, who is kind of, who does just love getting the shit shit done. Um so yeah, although we may not have that, like we've got someone in the team who does so.
0: So if there's someone listening who's just like a a solo person would you recommend that they try and get someone to come on board and help them from the start
2: yeah uh, yeah I mean I think it's if you've got like we're in a privileged position where we knew quite a lot of like good people our age because we're on this entrepreneurship course who were who just thinking kind of an entrepreneurial way but I think if I was just in Manchester on my own I wouldn't want a business but I wouldn't spend half my time looking for a a business co-founder and all my mates are in the pub or watching the footy and stuff like that so um and I think the higher up you get in like the professional world or even success or you, you, people will start noticing you a bit more and then like better people will come into your life and that's that's maybe when you can start looking at partners for it so I don't think you have to wait until you've got a perfect team like if you've got people around you or even people who are doing different stuff and you'd really appreciate it, send them a message and say hey look I'd, I'd love to just be On your map, I'd look just what this is what I'm doing. Watch out for me, uh, I love what you're doing, and just kind of be on as many people's maps as possible. And as you kind of progress, that's when inbound kind of opportunities and conversations will happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we did with yesterday, that's what Mike's, and Kyra. Kind of Mike's did with us. Yeah, like like Kyra, who we partnered with at the start of this year, like we they, they were on our radar for a long time. Jamie, Jamie, Bett, the co founder was pestering co founders, there was no reason why they they would meet us like we weren't a monetizable channel at the time but we knew that they were kind of like best in class for like uh branded video content and we wanted to be a part of that in 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 whatever way really and um yeah like as a result of just like making this connection from throwing, throwing shit out there we've kind of been brought brought into that agreement and and yeah but but especially in like youtube like i feel like there's more there's more of a community feel where people are willing to help out the smaller guys like early on because they can really relate to that. And, and yesterday was, was that for, like, me. They commented on a video when I was on 30,000 subscribers on my personal channel. And I just kind of, like, shot my shot and, and, and got on the call with them somehow. And I was literally baffled because, like, I watched their content for so long before that. And that seemed like they, they were, like, unattainable. But they were at 250,000 subscribers at the yeah, time. And like to, yeah, we, we try to, like, think, think that now with, like, who... who Who's, who is out there that we're kind of respecting what they're doing and kind of like consciously showing like love and support yeah, to those guys because like that shit like can literally be the difference between like early days of just packing you, it in. You need those yeah. wins don't you, you
2: need them small wins from big careers and that. We've got two TikTokers in America who kind of were introduced to us and like they they'd absolutely love to get on a phone and we're just like yeah man we'll do it, we'll do it and because of the time difference it's been difficult to organise and I don't know for us we, we just kind of the channel's just grown like we've not changed, we've not like done anything that different really and but it is quite crazy to think of that's how we perceived yesterday is these massive american youtube channels who are massive and big and i like just kind of our friends and they're at half and, uh, five and a half million subscribers but we're at three times the level or two times the level that they were when we thought they were massive so yeah it's, yeah. it's quite weird it's quite
3: weird that
1: are you guys on tiktok we are yeah.
3: trying yeah
1: yeah was it zach, zach and jay show yeah the zach
3: and jay show um okay
1: cool i'll I'll find you because i'm i love that app i think it's wicked i'm on there so i'll give you i'll give you a follow um so jamie you kind of mentioned their values and and you kind of touched on your why and like i've always thought that your why and mine and adam and creative rebels why is is really similar we're just going about it in a really like different way because our thing is like yeah empowering creatives letting them realize that whatever they want to do for a job, like they can do something fun and they don't have to do something that they hate. What do you think is like the main thing that's that's holding most people back and what advice would you give them to overcome that?
2: Um, I think the big thing to me is having like a bias to action. So um Jeff Bezos has got like 14 leadership principles principles which are worth checking out and it's kind of like the company culture. And one of them is have a bias to action. So if you're unsure about whether or not to do something, you'd normally go you'd normally create excuses where it'd like, oh no, it's better off not to do it for whatever reason. And all these kind of excuses have come in and they're all perfectly rational. But um if you just train yourself and say, go on and take the action, you're always you're either going to get results that you were not expect it to get, which is positive, you get that it was it was what you wanted, or you're gonna experience something and it not work out, but you're gonna learn from that experience that can then inform the future. So um yeah, a bias to action is always quite a good one. I think that that's probably the main thing: is just constantly be moving, constantly be doing stuff. Like we're, we're and our kind of why is we're living the be, we're living the best time in the world to be alive. So let's all just take advantage of it in all angles. So we there's never been a time where you can own a camera, own a laptop, and fuck around and make good money and betray a good message. And your parents don't get it. You you don't have a boss. Um, your uncle doesn't get it. But you, you're doing it anyway, and it's working really well for you. And, and there's never, and, and that's the same across so many different areas. Like You've never been able to reach out to creative people that you admire at a click of a button so instantly. And you, you don't have to be someone big to do it. You can just say, hey, really like your work, watch out for me, or I'd love, love to do things with you and just plant so many different seeds. So um, yeah, bias to action and just, just get after it. Just do as much as you can and take advantage of the tools that we've got, which seem super normal to us, but when you think about how powerful they are, they're, they're, they're kind of unbelievable. Let's
1: get after it amazing um where can people find you guys online
3: go on, plug it. The,
2: the Zach and jay show uh yeah so there's that type of the Zach and jay show on youtube just Zach and jay on instagram and um, tiktok the Zach and jay show red tube is a uh, blue sofa <laughs> <for> Two guys i'm <laughs> no, just kidding um yeah yeah just uh, Zach and jay you'll, you'll you'll find us somewhere amazing well cool. cheers nice. guys thanks for that good to catch up
0: hey guys before you go we've got a competition for you Every week, as part of our Adobe partnership, we're giving away a free mentor session with myself and David, and a year subscription to the Adobe Creative Cloud. The four runners up every week also get another year subscription to the Adobe Creative Cloud. Inspired by our awesome guests today, Zach and Jay, we want you to get vlogging with Adobe Premiere Rush. From Lifestyle to travelling, we want you to create a 30 second vlog about yourself or your passion. You can submit your blog on Instagram and use the hashtag #AdobeXCreativeRebels Creative Rebels for a chance to win. The winner will be selected by myself and David, two weeks from the day this video goes live. So, let's get creating. If you don't have the Creative Cloud yet, you can go to creativerebels.co forward slash adobe for a free trial. And remember, always be creating.